host George McKay. I'm in the building. I'm here with my cohort in crime, Steve the Animal Mitchell. What's going on, Straight Talk Wrestling fans? What's going on is this. Episode 72. It's not really, per se, a career profile, but it's something worth the conversation. This is a conversation that I think will be most exciting because the two of us very, very strongly differ on this subject. It's actually the title of the episode, which is hashtag explicit sign, explicit sign, explicit sign, explicit sign, the revival. If you don't know what those four explicit signs mean, I'm sure you can figure out the one swear word that literally has four letters. Well, we swear a little bit on the show, not very much anymore, but it's fuck the revival. Mm-hmm. Hashtag fuck the revival. And it's, it's an episode worth discussing because this is a team where, surprisingly, your host does not agree with the animal. It's not like we always agree and disagree. We actually are on the same page most of the time. Sometimes we have a couple different views. But this is one subject where we have strong, different sides. I am very pro the revival. I have never sugarcoated it. I've been very excited about the revival, much as I was very excited about the bar once they started getting steam. I feel like tag team wrestling in this day and age has lost a step. It's lost... It, for me, when I was a kid, tag team wrestling was the most exciting. Oh, Vinny hates tag team. It's and it's so obvious of just how much Vinny Mac hates tag teams. <laughs> and it's it's frustrating. It is definitely frustrating at some points because if you look at tag team wrestling as a whole, sometimes the tag team matches are the show stealers of the night with what these guys do. Sometimes. I mean, we can mention a couple great tag team matches that... I've seen in the last couple of years. One would be the epic Hell in a Cell between the Usos and the New Day. That yeah. was hands down one of the best Hell in a Cell matches, in my opinion, of all time. They literally did so much innovation in there. When you can have four guys locked in a cell, like we've seen it before. We saw it with the six-man Hell in a Cell that they did back during the Attitude Era. But this was different because this was like a tornado tag with all kinds of violence. I mean, if you haven't seen that match, check it out. It's available on the network for $9.99 a month. But there's one part of the match where they literally lock Xavier Woods in the corner with kendo sticks. Absolute genius. Taking away one member of the team and literally making it at that point a handicap match. Granted, for only a few minutes before Kofi interfered from the outside. Yep. But still, making it a match to remember. A show stealer, if you will. Kind of a match that slipped under the radar, but quietly became matches of the night during that pay-per-view. Now, if I remember the rest of the card correctly, there wasn't a whole bunch of anything else to really be excited about. But that was something different. That was something exciting. That was something that needed to happen, I think. Because to show that just because we're a tag team does not mean we are less than stellar than anybody else in the main roster. It's just unfortunate that a man who is literally the godfather of modern-day wrestling, if you will would put this division in such a stale, stagnant, boring hold. And it's frustrating because then you flip to the undercard product, you flip to the NXT product, where the tag team division is not only sometimes more exciting than the heavyweight division, sometimes, in a few pay-per-views, it actually takes the main focal point of the pay-per-view. The pay-per-view I'm talking about would obviously be the two times they have successfully done war games. They don't do war games with singles wrestlers. They do war games with tag teams, and sometimes they'll throw in a single wrestler to just kind of even out the playing field. Yeah, and I think that's where NXT is really kind of elevating the process a little bit in terms of what we're really going to see in terms of tag teams, because I feel like uh, I feel like Trips kind of took the reins on that and was a, a little bit more innovative when it came to the fact that yeah, we, we got lots of single stars, we got your baby faces, we got your, your heels, and of course you need lots and lots and lots of those to be able to make sure, well, not lots of them, because there's only room for a few, but um, when, you, when you have like your baby faces and you have your heels, they seem, to be, they seem to put a lot of stock into that, of making the baby face, the, the baby face heel storyline work, and then whatever's kind of going on around it is really the tag team division is really the last thing on the on the on the bill if unless you're the bar 
<laughs> unless you're the bar or unless you're the Usos that are still going on. Like the, the fact that the Usos are still going on today and still and elevating their game and making it even more. And then, of course, you have the New Day. Or the fact that you, when you had those three teams that were doing what they were doing, it was elevating the game. But eventually it just got really boring because it was literally just like, okay, this is all you're getting every week. Is literally you're only going to watch... The Bar versus New Day, or the Bar versus the Usos, or the Usos versus New Day, or the, or the, the, the whatever. It's just yeah, the division is very small. Where they were yeah. doing their thing instead of like, okay, can we like elevate this a little bit more, and can we actually bring up some more teams that are actually really doing something more than just kind of putting together blindly, just putting together the Bludgeon Brothers and having them go in and beat up everybody just simply because they need an they need another team. And that's really what it came down to. The, the bludgeons were, it was, it was neat, like it was cool, their, their look and everything was great for, the, for, what they, for what it was, but it really did seem to be like this Vince McMahon manufactured, put together thing to try to just throw something together, to literally throw something together and put it in there to make it work with the other three teams. And I think that's where you, where you hit the nail on the coffin, where Triple H is, is doing something different. He's actually taking the time to develop teams and factions like we used to have so many of back during the Ruthless Aggression Era, back during the Attitude Era. If you think about the Attitude Era, you had so many factions. So many factions. Yeah. Think about it. You had um, a Nation of Domination. You had the Hart Foundation reuniting for a little bit there. You had DX. You had the Corporation. You had Los Bariquas. There yeah. was like, there was, it, it was, it was filled the lwo you had the lwo you had the latin yeah. world order you and had the iwo and that seemed to also be the call and answer for the nwo that was really seemed to be yeah it was just throwing thing. literally <laughs> throwing teams together and be like they're not the best okay we need a faction too okay you know what make them all factions yeah and 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 and, and, it, and it worked in some ways but then it became very oversaturated yeah. so i think that's probably Vince McMahon's mentality i don't want to go back to that but you can go back to that in small doses. You yourself had one of the biggest factions of all time during the Attitude Era. You were the head of the corporation. You yeah. came back and you forgot how successful those storylines were. You were also the man behind the Undertaker in the Ministry of Domination where you hung your daughter up on, a, on an upside down cross. Or the Ministry of Darkness. Sorry, Ministry of Darkness. Thank yeah, you. What yeah. did I say? Ministry of Domination? Ministry of that would have been a sexy faction though. The Think about like the Undertaker, the, Undertaker and the, under, the Undertaker and The Rock like coexisting together. Die, die, die. Would have been amazing. And then Farouk just coming in and being like, I'm the real leader. Screw yeah, you yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Would have been great. Would have been a great. <laughs> been, that's, that's WWE writing nowadays. That's WWE writing nowadays. That's how shit that, that storyline actually would have been right right <laughs> but so to get back to the point the focal point of our conversation it's pretty much highlighting the tag team division what nxt is doing but we also want to get into a friendly back and forth about the revival and about how special in my opinion they were in nxt so let's just run through a little bit of history of these guys because i think some people need to be educated so in 2014 after returning from injury scott dawson teamed up with then a debuting dash wilder the two performed just basically at live events under the ring name The Mechanics. Then they made their official TV debut July 17th at an, on an episode of NXT. They lost to Bull Dempsey and Mojo Rawley. They made one more future television appearance and they ended up losing to, at the time, the certified G's, if you will, which they weren't the certified G's at this moment, but they were Enzo Mori and Colin Cassidy, a.k.a. Big Cass, on October 23rd. Then they went back to just doing the live events. Then they resurfaced back July 29, 2015. So this is almost six months later from, debut, uh, from the last time you saw them, which was October 23, 2014. And again, they won. Well, actually, they won for the first time at this point, defeating Enzo Mori and Big Cass. And that was at NXT, NXT TakeOver at Respect. The mechanics were defeated in the semifinals of the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classics by the eventual winners at that moment, which is Finn Balor and Samoa Joe, which set up their rivalry for the NXT Championship. Then they changed their name to Dash and Dawson. And on an October 28, 2015 episode of NXT, they would attack Amori and Cassidy right before their match, completely laying out Amori and busting up Cass's knee. Uh, due, to the, due to an earlier non-title victory over, at the time, NXT Tag Team Champions, the Vaudevillians, remember those guys, they had a great shtick, great look. But when they came up again to the main roster, McMahon got a sprinkle. And he ruined it. Oh, they screwed the VOD villains from like the day one that they walked in. Yeah, it was, it was just <laughs> to, unfortunate. To main roster, I mean. It was unfortunate <laughs> because, again, like NXT, you have that freedom, main roster, stuff gets changed. Yeah. Then they earned that title shot November 11th on an episode of NXT, and they won, becoming the new NXT champions for the first time. They made their first successful defense two weeks later, defeating the VOD villains 
in a rematch. And afterwards, they defended the titles again against Amorian Cassidy at NXT TakeOver London, which was a great, great NXT pay-per-view. One of my personal favorites. Beginning in February 2016, they changed the name again and began performing under what we know them as now, which is The Revival. They made their first appearance in actually WWE's main roster at uh, Roadblock, which was a WWE exclusive pay-per-view, which was shot in Toronto, Rico Coliseum. My wife, myself, and I were in-house that night, and it was a great pay-per-view. It really was a great pay-per-view. It was something leading up to WrestleMania that year, and it was just epic. It was epic in all fronts, and uh, to see these guys in, in a bigger setting than NXT, but still an intimate venue, because Rico only holds about 6,500 people, so to see them in that intimate venue, it was nice to get that up-close-and-personal feel with them. So, they ended up uh, successfully defending their tag team championships one more time against Maury and Cassidy and NXT TakeOver Dallas. Then they lost the tag team championships to American Alpha, Jason Jordan, and Chad Gable at the time. Then again on June 8th of NXT TakeOver The End, they regained the titles from Alpha, becoming the first two-time NXT championship, NXT tag team champions. That's a big deal. You're literally the first ones to do it. Since then, there have been two-time champions. AOP was a two-time champion. There haven't been any really tag team two-time champions. Actually, yeah, no. Was it Undisputed? Or Undisputed Era is also a two-time two, champion. Two, yeah. two, three times, something like that. Two-time. I, <laughs> I believe it's two-time. Well, they've held down that division yeah. in NXT for a very long time. Because, exactly. Uh, the Undisputed Era shocked the system. I mean, it's great. It's a great shtick. It's a great It's a great faction. And um, it's going to be scary for those four gents when they do come up because... Uh, you got to wonder what McMahon's going to do. I mean, Adam Cole's built-in star, but you can't forget about Bobby Fish. You can't forget about Kyle O'Reilly. And you cannot forget about, uh, oh my God, his name is escaping me right now. Who's the other guy? Oh, uh, but, sorry, who did you say? I was, I was Cass, thinking about something I said while Adam, you were saying I said all Adam that. Cole, so, like, what, well, pay like, attention. Go ahead. Say I said again. Adam Cole, Bobby Fish, Kyle O'Reilly, and who's the other guy? And uh, Roderick Strong. There we go. Roderick wow. Strong, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's horrible. You know what? Maybe it's because I'm not a big Roderick Strong fan. I always thought that sh- I always thought the Undisputed Era was better with the three guys, but they brought Strong in when Fish's knee got injured. So I get it. I get it why they did it. Just it, absolutely exhausted today, ladies and gentlemen. Got an extra large coffee for George and a large coffee for me. It's really like you didn't got, sleep got, well. Got, didn't yeah. Neither of us slept very well <laughs> last night. So yeah, it's it's this is going to be a mind bender. But we're going to get through this. We'll yeah. get through it, ladies so, and gentlemen. Then they defeated American Alpha later on, defending the titles again in a two out of three falls match. And um, that was named WWE Match of the Year for 2016. That's, again, a big deal. Because a lot of people don't realize the great storytellers that these dudes are. And that's kind of my point, my stance on things. Then in NXT TakeOver Orlando the same year, they would lose to the Authors of Pain and DIY in a triple threat match. Now, the Match of the Year was against Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa when they first formed DIY. And that's what became the, uh, the Match of the Year for that year. So, and then we'll get into uh, pretty much 2017 to the present. On April 3rd episode of Raw, they made their debut by defeating the New Day. And then they kind of went straight nosedive. Yeah. And did a it, lot of main eventing after that. Yeah, a lot of main eventing, a lot of, a lot of house shows, a lot of, you know, a lot of just not being in Vince McMahon's good graces. Uh, because, as you said at the beginning of the episode, McMahon does not like tag teams for whatever reason. And it's unfortunate because if you think about it, what he's done for the division over the years is kind of a head-scratcher, even what he's done for the division. Back in the day, when the tag team division was kind of so-so and blase, what did he do? He put together Hulk Hogan, Macho Man. They became the Mega Powers. He put two of the biggest names, singles wrestlers, in the business at that time period, and he put them together, and he made them a team. It's a head-scratcher, because at that point, it's like, okay, hold on, I'm going to take my, my best singles guys, I'm going to take them out of a heavyweight title pitcher, and I'm going to put them together. Well, and that was, of course, for, like, the biggest rivalry ever. It was for the biggest like, rivalry reasons, ever. Reasons to but split them up and eventually, you know, make them, make them do, like, you could have done that rivalry. Ever. You could have done that rivalry 20 different ways at the time. You really could have. You could have already had Hogan developing feelings for Elizabeth. Oh, yeah, and then sure. totally skipped over the tag team part of the thing. Oh, for but sure. But the fact that he took the time and put them together in a tag team, you would think this is a guy that's maybe trying to pump up the division yeah. at that time. And oh, yeah, and that was also for the Hulk Hogan, to, back then what was called the Hulk Hogan Sprinkle. If you will. All you got to do is just hang next to Hulk Hogan, and there you go, your stock just completely rises. <laughs> Which is unfortunate, because if you really look back at Hulk Hogan and you really dissect the man, he wasn't as good as people made him out to be. 
And that's my honest opinion. I understand he's a GOAT. He's one of top five in the business sense. I mean, he did elevate the business. I don't want to get into a back and forth on Hulk Hogan. No, because I think, I think what we should do is do an episode on Hulk Hogan. I think we should do, later on, we should do an episode on Hulk Hogan. If I'm bored and I don't have, and I don't have anything else better to do. Dude, I swear to God, man, you're talking biggest name in the whole industry, and I think we should do a whole, I think we should do an actual whole episode on, on Hulk Hogan. Okay, but that would definitely be much like this episode. For me, it would be a hashtag fuck Hulk Hogan. Okay. I'll go on record for that right now, because I was never a Hogan fan. Very cool. There's I was a never, lot of other people who are not Hogan fans either. I was never a Hulkamaniac. I was, great episode. I was a warrior. I was a macho man. Yeah. I was a guy that liked the workhorses. I did not believe a leg drop could finish a match. Yeah. <laughs> Just much like I don't think a spear can finish a match or an F5 can finish a match or a big boot to the face as your signature move right before you drop your elongated, exasperated, steroid-filled fly on somebody's windpipe. I'm sorry. I didn't buy into it when I was five years old. I'm not going to buy into it now. So you know what I mean? That's not a bad idea. This will be a conversation where I know I'm going to get a lot of heat. That's what I'm saying. I'm going to get a ton of heat. So I say bring it on. Hashtag fuck Hulk Hogan. That'll be the title of it somewhere down the line in the near future. We're somewhere, not going to give a date for it. Somewhere down the line. We'll, somewhere we'll down do the that. line. 100%. Maybe, maybe around this year's WrestleMania because WrestleMania is filled with so many great Hulk Hogan memories that I would love to tear down that wall. <laughs> I would love to be the guy that tears down that wall. So maybe somewhere closer to WrestleMania. We still got a few months on the road. Cool. And I'd love to be the guy to bring it right back up again. That's so awesome. Let's, let's do it. Let's That's do awesome. It. Let me tell yeah. you something, brother. It'll happen. Absolutely. Absolutely, brother. But for now, uh, the, the revival, um, and yeah, let, let, let's get back to these guys. Um, so you were basically just kind of, you, you were basically just talking about how the revival did everything in NXT, and we're bringing everything up from where they were coming from at their, their beginnings, yes. their humble yes. beginnings in NXT to if match you, of the year with DIY, and then let, let's continue, let's carry on. If you go that. back, and you literally sit down, and you just make your own collection of the revival, Watch the matches that they had at the takeovers. Watch how well they executed everything a tag team is supposed to do with nothing very special. They literally just walked in as two dudes that loved to fight. They were like the Americanized version of a Fit Finley. Nothing fancy, nothing special, very just 80s wrestling. Boots to asses, fists to face. That was their moniker. That was how they came out. They came out with yeah, boots. What is, what, is their, what is their shitty slogan? It's like, no words, just fists? No words, just fists now, main roster. But when they yeah, were yeah, on yeah. NXT, it was, it was boots to asses, fists to face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they delivered on so many aspects. And I'm, I'm not a fan of, um, you know, big showmanship. We all know this. The guys that I love, the guys that I respect, other than the 80s, which was all larger-than-life characters, I'm very everyman yeah, you you just kind of recently got into like the flippy dippy guys. I really, I, I did. Me, I'm more about the guy who can just literally take you down and break you down mentally and physically. That's why at the time I was more drawn towards a Samoan Joe in TNA. I didn't really like TNA, but I did like Samoa Joe because he's not flashy, but he does have an arsenal. Kevin Owens, not flashy, but he does have an arsenal. Yeah, Pete, I like the Pete guys. Dunn, how we reinvented. All of that. Pete Dunne, exactly. Just going Pete in Dunne. and breaking your fingers. And I love that. His finishing move is he breaks the guy's fingers and then puts well, him in the better he, You know, he also puts you down and yeah. an elbow and then he kicks your hand. Like, yeah. I like love, that's me. Your body. That's me. I'm the guy who literally likes watching the other guy get broken down. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love myself. I love a guy like a Seth Rollins now. I'm really passionate for a guy like a Seth Rollins. I also love the underdog and Johnny Gargano, but I love the dark Gargano now. I love that. I love Ciampa. I love Eric Ciampa. Everything he's doing. I love all yeah, those right guys. There. Champa. Champa, yeah. thank you. I love Champa, and I love what he's doing. And he's very similar. He's not very flashy, but it'll hurt you 20 different ways. Me, wrestling is about, yes, it's a story. Yes, it's it's larger in life. Yes, there is moments where it's got to be adrenaline after adrenaline. they got to do the moves. they got to get the crowd into it. They want you to feel it. But my best part of it is when a guy gets socked right in the mouth, and he comes up spitting blood. And I'm like, yeah, shit just got real. I mark out every time. Even though I know it's planned, he had a razor, he cut his lip, whatever. I still mark out. Because that's the type of wrestling I love. I love watching dudes just go in and literally beat each other till they can't stand. I love a Kenny Omega versus Chris Jericho. Alpha versus Omega. The first time they did it. That was a match for the ages. Yes, they did a lot of fancy, amazing stuff in it. But it was a fight. It was a goddamn war. Yeah. 
And that's what the Revival reinvigorated in tag team wrestling for me. Now, I know there's a lot of people out there. There's that whole hashtag that we talked about, the whole moniker of the show. Much like yourself, you're on the train. of, And you know what? It's not their fault. And I'm going to tell you why. If you go back and you watch NXT and you literally break down all the matches that they had, you see how well they executed as a team. You see how well they told the stories and you see how hard they hit. And if you go back and you watch their promos in NXT, Triple H used them smartly. He shot the promos wisely. He just didn't hand him a mic and a piece of paper, memorize these lines, go out and say them. Because that's what happens on the main roster. A lot of people don't realize this. Unless you're a top tier guy, your promos are written for you. And they don't like it when you go off script. Unless you're a top tier guy. What they'll do with a top tier guy, they'll say, these are your points. Get to them any way you want. But these are the points I want you. These are the bits you need to hit. But when you're an undercard guy, when you're a mid-card guy, it's read the script. Don't change a word. Read it. Yep. Okay. No problem. Because you're a mid-card guy. You haven't earned that top tier level yet. You're not one of Vince's boys. You're not in the McMahon club. But with Triple H and NXT, he's more in favor of, okay, your strong shoots are quick, fast one-liners. So let's build around that. And their promos at NXT were actually really good because Triple H built the promos around their strengths. You and I go back and forth about this all the time. You're a mic guy. You love your mic skills, but you also love what a guy can do in the ring. Yeah. Some of the wrestlers you think are great, I think are absolute dog shit. I.e. hashtag Roman Reigns. Forever. Absolutely. But, There's a lot of people who hate him. But, no, I don't hate him because everyone else hate him. I hate him because I've done my research and I've watched the matches. No, and I don't, I don't and mean he, because you hate them because they all hate them. It's no, just no. Because, it's just that like, there's and a much lot like, of people who And don't much like, like you with Roman Samoa Reigns. Joe, you think Samoa Joe is dynamite on the mic, but get him in the ring and he's a snooze fest, and you're not wrong. Why, though? We've already discussed this so many episodes. We're 72 episodes in now. Yeah. The restrictions you have in the main roster. So that's the problem. Right there. That's the line of the problem. That's where this conversation is going to open up. The Revival has not been able to be successful in the main roster because of one word. Restrictions. They're restricted. They're not being used for their, their, their strengths. Their promo skills are weak, lackluster at best because unlike Triple H who took the time with everybody because it is a smaller roster, they haven't been able to have the time. And the only time they got, they got a fair chance to be on camera in the most recent was when they literally went online and basically talked about how unhappy they were. Right after AEW broke the news that they're looking for talent. The Revival asked for a contract release. A lot of people thought it was because of that. It wasn't. But they used that as a tool to say, hey, listen, you're not showing the tag team division love. We're going online. We're going to tell the people. We're announcing for our release. You're going to think we want to go to AEW, but we don't. We just want the division to grow. The fact that you put Bobby Roode, who's a talent on his own, and you put Chad Gable, who is a talent on his own, but has already been in the tag team division so many times. You put these guys together and you slap the Raw Tag Team Championships on them. And you didn't even give them a match. You didn't even really, really broadcast a match on the pre-show of Royal Rumble. It was like just a filler. It was like, oh yeah, we even forgot to discuss it on our pre-show because it wasn't listed in the match card. Yeah. It's like they forgot to list it. Oh yeah, shit, we forgot. Okay, Gable. Gable, Root, get your trunks on. You're out there. Basically, it was like the way they put Cesaro and Sheamus together. It was yeah. like, oh, you're tagging. I think it was Sheamus. Who is he tagging? He was tagging with somebody who's completely different the week before. And and then now it's all of a sudden, holy crap, now you're tagging with Cesaro. Well, they had that, they had that yeah, battle of best of seven series between the two of them. And then it worked out where, where Mick Foley, who was GM at the time, said, I'm going to put you guys together in a tag team division. So you have these two go to war for seven matches. Literally go to war. Those were great. That's best of seven series was epic. Yeah. They go to war, have great matches, and then you, you stick them in the tag team division. The whole point was to give them a title shot to break them out on their own. But because you're Vince McMahon, you, you literally just make your puppets dance at will. You throw them in the tag team division. Well, you throw them in a division that you yourself don't care about. So, which means to me, you don't care about the stock of Cesaro, how popular he's getting. You don't care how Sheamus has big heat as a heel. No, what do you do? You stick them in the tag team division. Both of them suck on a microphone. Both of them suck on a microphone, but they can kick ass in the ring. Sometimes it does matter. It It 100% matters. Roman Reigns sucks on a mic, but Vince McMahon forced him down our throats for five years. It does matter, Steve. You watch him smile and you watch his charisma on a microphone. It's not the same thing. He he has. You know who has more charisma than Roman Reigns on a microphone? A wet mop. A wet mop and a bucket just going like this. That's more exciting than Roman Reigns. I'm sorry. This is where you and I differ. Mike skills in this day and age are not everything. Because yes, it is. If, if yes, they were, 
If they were, then why why is Nia Jax getting pushed so hard? Why is Nia Jax getting forced down? She gets on a microphone and everybody boos the shit out of her out of every building. Listen to it of what's going on. They boo her because they have no respect for her, and that's why they keep putting her out there because they keep booing her. If they if you put the revival out there, it doesn't. You could hear a fucking pin drop. Yes, you can. You can absolutely (laughs) hear a pin drop because they're not being utilized properly. The revival is not being utilized properly. Go back. I plead anyone listening to this episode. Go back. Watch those matches. See the promos that they cut in NXT. See what happens when you're in a little bit of a smaller pond and you're used properly. Now, I get it. We talked about this right before we did the episode. NXT is like elementary school. Think about it for a sec. NXT is like grade 8 in elementary school. You're top of the pyramid. You're the king of the hill. You're numero uno. Then you have the summer. Then you go into high school. And you're in grade 9. Big pond. Huge pond. Small fish. You're a freshman. Yeah. Down at the bottom of the tier all over again. And in the main roster, you got to scratch and claw because there literally is so much talent. And I get it. McMahon can't focus on all the talent. But you know what? I don't, I don't disagree that Mike's skills are important. But I also don't disagree that Mike's skills outweigh wrestling ability. Because if Mike's skills were important, Samoa Joe would be in the main event every month. No matter how bad he is in the ring, he would be in the main event every month. Now, granted, they've thrown him in the main event. They've put him out there with Reigns. They put him out there with Brock. They put him out there with. They put AJ. him out there with Roman Reigns, and he got a worse. He got he got more heat than Roman did in the middle of that match. That's why he's nowhere. That's why he'll continue to be nowhere. Yeah, but they keep putting him. They keep putting him in programs for title pitchers. He may not win, but they keep putting him in programs for title pitchers. Same thing with Sasha Banks. Sasha Banks on a mic needs a ton of work. Bailey needs a ton of work. But until the women's tag team division came out, they put Sasha. They put Sasha Banks in a in a match with Ronda Rousey, who was also. Absolutely. God-awfully horrible on the mic. Yeah, she's had snippets of greatness because yeah. of great writing. Because whoever wrote those particular promos was a great was one of the few writers that WWE has. There's a job posting for a writer on WWE right now. It seems like it's a revolving door. Basically. It's a revolving door. We're going to make you a writer. If you suck, we're going to fire you. Yeah. The only one who hasn't been fired yet is Dewey Foley. Why? Because he's a Foley. I firmly believe that. He's a legacy. I don't think Dewey Foley will ever get fired. No, I don't think so either. <clears throat> but my point is, you say mic skills matter. I say I don't think they matter as much as most people think they do because if they did, they wouldn't keep putting these guys that are great on the mic in promos and end up having bad matches. I'll let you AJ, finish and then AJ I Styles. Prove, I will prove AJ, to you. Okay, well, I'm, I'm also proving you, so keep an open mind for a second here. AJ Styles is horrible on the mic. He's absolutely bad. He's horrible. You hear that Southern accent, he stutters. You stay focused on his soccer mom here more than you do anything. I'm an AJ Styles guy. I love AJ Styles in the ring. I love the stories that AJ Styles tells in the ring. You want to talk about great mic technicians and great ring wrestlers? There's only one wrestler that comes to mind right now who's literally a king on the mic and a king in the ring. And that's your boy, Chris Jericho. I look back at everybody else who's a top five in history. Hulk Hogan, great on the mic, not good in the ring. Stone Cold Steve Austin, epic on the mic. Not very good in the ring. Not very good in the ring. The The Rock. Rock. Epic. Actually, probably one of the best talkers of all time. Not on the mic. very good, good in, in the, the ring. ring. John Cena. Best one, of, hands down, new generation-wise. Actually, no, I'm going to say top five. Top five all-time talker. Would you agree? Yeah, and but, but this is going to get me a lot of heat from a lot of people. Well, let me him just, and AJ Styles. All you have to go back and watch watch the trilogy of him and AJ Styles. That'll change everybody's tune of whether or not John Cena's good in the ring or not. Okay, fair enough. You know what? You're right. John Cena, when he has an epic dance... Okay, I'll take that back. He led the match with him and AJ Styles. He was Which leading the, all three matches with him and AJ Styles. He was the guy that was ring-generaling the match. You can listen to him in the, in the match. He's literally... Ring generaling the whole match for him and AJ Styles. Okay, Gallows and Anderson. Yeah, great on the mic. Not so great in the ring. And either, since they got with this nerd thing, neither one of them are good on the. On are they still doing the that? They still doing the nerd thing? Still doing the nerd thing. Horrible. Still doing all that all that shit. Like, yeah, it's it's just awful. But that's that's my that's my point. That's that's just my whole pinnacle of thing. There, you could you you sometimes you have great talkers who are bad wrestlers. Sometimes you have fantastic wrestlers who are bad talkers. Only once or twice in a lifetime do you get the whole package. And it's very rare. Other than Chris Jericho, someone who was legitimately the whole package, and now you've made a case for John Cena. So I myself have to go back and rewatch those matches. You've made a case for me for John Cena, so I'm going to keep an open mind on that. But for a long time, for me, John Cena was everything there was about the mic and how good he was. Yeah, but in the ring, the only one. <laughs> in the ring, I wasn't, I wasn't impressed. I wasn't impressed. But you look at, you look at the wrestlers nowadays... 
Seth Rollins is getting there, but his mic skills are still weak. Dean Ambrose, another guy who's, yeah, okay, he's, he's like watching paint dry. But on the mic, he does capture your attention with whatever he's saying. But in the ring, Sometimes. in the ring, it's like watching a younger Randy Orton. It's like watching paint dry. Where is EC one and two was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like those those were those were great moments. Triple H, Triple H is another guy who's great on the mic and is a ring general. We've already described this. Everybody knows my love for Triple H. There's no secret. I'll put Triple H. I completely spaced. I'm sorry about the trips. Sorry, I forgot about you. But all I'm saying is, your 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 thing. What you're saying is is that mic skills hundred percent, hundred fifty percent matter. But in-ring ability takes a second back seat. I strongly disagree. No matter how much heat you're getting, whether the fans generated or not, Roman Reigns, he had a ton of heat. He was booed out, booed out of almost every arena. During the match with Brock Lesnar, the last time around, you could hear a pin drop in New Orleans. Even though Roman gave us everything that night. And I'll agree with you on that. You've made that point, and I agree with you. I don't have a leg to stand on there. At that point, it was too little too late in my opinion. Because he had been forced down our throat so many times. We heard him stumble. We heard the best reaction he got, which sucked, is when he had to relinquish the title because he had to go fight his battle with cancer. That's the one that where all of a sudden everybody started giving a shit. And that's horrible. That's a horrible way to look at things. Because he actually did have some decent matches with decent damage partners. And I feel bad for the all guy. All of them. <laughs> I feel bad. I feel bad for the guy. But there's a guy. There is again. Especially him and Strowman. I couldn't believe it. After that long, I'm like, him and Strowman. You, you can't, for, for the life of me, go back and watch any of those Braun Strowman matches and tell me that that was actually not, like, ma- no offense, match of the year to yeah, anybody match, who match actually Match of the year, wrestling really ability, but look at the promos leading up to it. You're a mic guy right now. Your stance is mic skills matter. Those promos during that whole epic saga that those two had were garbage. Both of them absolutely sucked in the mic. So my whole stance is, if wrestling doesn't matter, how can we say for some guys it doesn't matter, but some guys it does? Yes, did the Revival suck on the mic? Absolutely. But go back. Watch those NXT matches because they haven't been given a fair shake in the main roster. Go back and watch these matches. Watch them with a complete open mind. And then you tell me if hashtag fuck the Revival still stands when it comes to wrestling ability. Because at the end of the day, this is still the wrestling business. Sports entertainment. Wrestling still, hands down, is the first word. Sports, wrestling, entertainment, mic skills. That's the way I look at it. It's still the first word in this business that we love. So how can we sit here and say, for this crop, it's okay to suck on the mic because they're great in the ring. But for this crop, we say, no, it doesn't matter how bad they suck on the mic. They got heat, whether it be fake, organic, whatever. Vince just pounds them down our throats till we get tired of him and we start fighting back. And even when we fight back, he still doesn't give a shit what we think because he controls the market. So that's all I'm saying. Look at Cody Rhodes. When Cody Rhodes was in WWE Stardust, he, he was cutting great promos with a bad character. Those go back and listen to some of those promos. They are really funny because they're they're out there because the character was out there. Mm -hmm. But then look at him now. Look at what he's doing now. Just being Cody. It's epic. His mic skills are just as great as his wrestling ability always was. But when he was in WWE doing the Stardust crap, you didn't notice it. You noticed his bright spots of wrestling ability, but you didn't notice his mic skills because it was like, oh, I'm just so tired of this character. So how does it make sense? It only makes sense to me when how sometimes wrestling should outweigh the mic ability. And that's the truth. That's my stance. That's my point. I've done my rant. The floor is yours. Absolutely, my man. Um, I feel like mic skills are the most important part of all of it because of everything you just... Out, uh, that was actually all the examples that I was going to give was the fact that you have Hulk Hogan, you have Stone Cold Steve Austin, you have The Rock. Those are the three biggest names ever in the industry. Ever. They can't get any higher than that. No, they, ele- they each each of them elevated the business. So that's that's what you want a goat to do. All of them that's elevated the business, and especially no primer example of the fact that all three of them opened WrestleMania 30, and so therefore, and one of them forgot all- one of them forgot yeah. which arena they were in, and one of them forgot which arena. The Superdome. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Hulk. Um, but bottom line is. Bonk That's how all three of them made all of their money. So it doesn't matter what kind of matches they had with anybody because of the fact that they were going in there and they were cr- they were crushing unbelievable promos to make sure that that fight was getting sold and that their charisma was really shining through. And the fact that they would go in there regardless, even if it was like whatever people can consider that you know they were the they were the ab- they were the firm advocates of the five moves of doom guys. But however, and they, they were also Vince's boys. Let's they be were also Vince's boys. But however, at the same time, though, they weren't going out there and not getting the biggest reaction of everybody because of the fact they couldn't wait for to hear them talk. They couldn't wait to hear what they were going to say next. 
They literally went in there every week with the mentality of, these are the promo guys. We're going in there every single week to go crush a promo and make sure that people are tuning in every week to come back in, not to watch me wrestle, but to come back in and hear what the fuck I'm going to say next because people genuinely wanted to hear that. And especially with Steve Austin. They didn't care what was going on with his matches. They just wanted to see him go in there and kick Vince McMahon's ass next week and say what he was going to say to Vince McMahon next week. They wanted to hear what The Rock was going to say about the next Rudy Pooh candy ass. And they wanted to hear what kind of what, what Hogan was going to say next about say your, take your vitamins and say your prayers. And all that stuff. But, um, <laughs> Dude, when you say that line, you have to say it in the Hogan voice. Please, <laughs> please do the Hogan voice. You have to. Say your vitamins! I, w- I want to say say your vitamins and take your prayers. Because I'm just like so dyslexic sometimes when it comes to that stuff. Take your vitamins and say your prayers, brother! Ooh, yeah! <laughs> the crop! Oh yeah. <laughs> and then same thing with Macho Man. They didn't care what matches he was having. They wanted to hear what he was going to say next. Warrior? Jesus. Didn't. No one cared what the hell that guy was doing because his matches were less than a minute. So therefore, it was all about his promo skills. And the fact that he people would say skills. Hey, well, he, had a three, very... he had a three and a half minute match one time. The yeah, match with Triple right? H was three and a half minutes. And it he, was three and a half minutes. And he had to work a match with Hogan for eight minutes, and they had to, had to practice it for like two months. Before was it eight they, minutes? Yeah, it was like eight. It was. Like I eight. thought it was. Well, are you talking about WrestleMania no, it was, six? It was six was like twenty minutes. Six, I was going to say six, six was actually six a was decent. Like twenty minutes. Six, there nay I say, was Hogan's one of Hogan's better matches and was, in his career. And that's the reason why, because they really worked. They really won all. All out to give them like well we have whatever to give all them out the was in ultimate match whatever all out was in ninety one I mean all out let's face it all out was not all out and straight up it was because Warrior was just blasted after like five minutes you watch him literally like five minutes into the match and he's yep he's huffing and puffing like a, oh my god it was crazy the kid that like literally but, is running for his first day but can I ask you a question before you carry your rant I just I want to jump in here and ask you a question. We talked about our defining moments. You can go actually on our YouTube page, which dropped two weeks ago, and the animal did a great job. I know you're going to bring up Bret Hart right now. I have to. I know you're going to bring up to. Bret Hart now. I have to, and I actually have to, bring up, I have to bring up Hogan and, and Ultimate Warrior for a second. Because sure. you literally just outlined that entire match. You outlined 20, well, you didn't outline the whole thing, but you outlined 20 minutes of it. So you remember the match. Do you, just answer yes or no right now quickly. Do you remember any of the promos leading up to it? Do I remember any just of the promos yes or no. leading up to just it? Just yes or no. Yes, of course I okay. do. My, okay. Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart. Do you remember the promos over the match? What do you remember more? No, the I match actually, or the promos? I actually remember both of them equally. I remember both, not the fact of Brett, he couldn't really carry much of a promo. It was more of Sean. There was the, the promo. Yeah, Sean was the better talk rather than the two, yes. They both sucked pretty much equally when it came to being able to talk into a microphone. Sean was the most exclect, is still the most exclexic person ever when it comes to trying to put fit words into a sentence. But, but, but you really, you, you focus more or most people will remember more so. Maybe you yourself remember it equally because you're a mic guy, so you, you trained yourself they remember to remember the match. Most people remember the matches. Exactly. Friend. But however... They remember the matches. You remember the promos leading up to everything that went on with Montreal. And you remember but, how... Yeah, but that's the big one of the biggest moments in wrestling history. But you remember the fact that they were both of them both screaming at each other. And you both remember what is more impactful to you. What's the match? Just a match? Or is it more impactful when you have two dudes screaming at each other and then they go in and kick each other's ass? What's more impactful when you watch Triple H and CM Punk screaming at each other and then you watch Triple H H. and then you watch Triple H go in there and beat the snot out of CM Punk after he literally just stood there and told him a week before, I want to rip off every single one of those skinny, I want to rip off every single one of those tattoos off your skinny fat ass right now. And when you watch him elevate a promo like that and you watch him just absolutely crush a promo and scream into this guy's face about how much he's ready to go in there. You were the guy that just said how much you love to watch two dudes go in there and beat the shit out of each other. Was yes, more impactful. because you gotta have the take. You gotta have the end. But you, you gotta have, have the lead up with a flat line. Standing there talking about how bad they want to beat the crap out of each other But first. then if the match doesn't deliver, then everything they did to get to that peak is a straight flat line to the grave. And that's why to be really good and be at the top, you have to be good at both. You have to be good at both. You have to be entertaining on a microphone first to get the people to want to watch you beat the crap out of the guy that you just talked about beating the crap out of. It's literally just the way that it works. When you have a group, and this brings me back to, it's been a long-winded way of coming back to the revival 
but the revival, why I hate them so much is the fact that they literally cannot get, they talk so heavily about how much they can go in there and go beat the, and whatever, I'm kind of marking out right now because it's not real, it's two dudes that are literally, like just, it's a character, but at the same time though, when your character is no words, fists to whatever, no words, just just fists, fists, That means entirely that you have no ability to be able to speak on a microphone. You will have no way of telling me what you're going to do to these guys. You're just going to be you're just going to be having matches for the safety's sake of having matches. When you go back and you watch DIY and you watch the revival, DIY and the revival were a match made in heaven together. They were perfect dance partners for each other. But however, but because it was the fact that you had a really high elevation with DIY that could go in there and go crush anything on a top rope and then you had these two dudes that were great on the ground and could just do anything. Well but they however, actually didn't have their bright spots of go they didn't go top rope, but they went mid yeah. They still they flew every now and again. They, they had a great feud together. It and was a great then feud. they had nothing after that. They did nothing after that. Well shortly after that they came up to the main roster. And they and then they finally had the ability to get in. Okay, I, g- I gave it some time until like okay maybe if they get in a match with the bar that it'll be really good. Had a match with the bar and it sucked. And then they had a pro they had a promo cut back and forth with the bar. The bar killed them on the microphone. And if you go back to the Attitude Era, here's the biggest piece of evidence that I have for anyone who has any dispute whatsoever about what mic skills properly are is the fact if you go back to the Attitude Era, the number one thing that was mentioned about Attitude Era is the fact and why they actually brought Chris Jericho in and got him speaking on a promo against The Rock first Mm. was the fact that unless you could speak on a microphone, you will get your ass chewed out every single week. You will be at the bottom of the list before you can even say the words bottom of the list because Mm. it's so fast of how if you have somebody that can go up to you and crush you on a microphone that can talk his way into making himself more elevated and over because his words, just like John Cena, are just better than everybody else's, then that's it. You're over. It doesn't matter how good your wrestling is. You will be, you can have four moves of doom and it won't matter. People are just very simply going, and prime example, Becky Lynch. No one, she's She's terrible in the ring. She's one of the worst wrestlers on the female roster. Her oh, legs are literally so in her legs are literally so cut in that she can she can barely walk. She's literally Becky Lynch. Yes, are she's you literally sure? Stood up from I doing. She's you. literally almost fallen over from doing a clothesline. You need to go back and watch some of this shit, dude. Because I'm telling you, she literally like is. No, you got to meet a snook on the brink. She's to the point where literally she. I've literally seen her almost fall over from doing a clothesline. Yeah, okay. There, there's a lot of things she does well, but there's a lot of clumsy stuff that she does in the ring, and I've seen it a lot. And therefore, from where I'm sitting right now, she's the toppest. She's the t- she's more over than the dudes, and it's because she's just so damn good on the mic. No one else will be able to crush her. There's not a perk. There's not one. There's there's dudes that can't even crush her, and it's why they got her in the ring, cutting a promo with John F. and Cena last week. They brought John Cena back, literally just to put him in the ring to cut a promo with her, and then actually have that as the moment of I'm taking over for you, John. Check it out. And then they all start screaming for her because they just love to listen to her talk. They don't care what she does in there. Yeah, unless she punches somebody out. But other than that, they just want to hear what she has to say. And the same thing with everybody and the same thing with anybody else who is a top individual in that industry. It is in the WWE. Is It's all about promo skills. Yes, your matches can be great. You'll have five-star match. AJ Styles is incredible because he goes out there and he, he's incredible and can hold his own as the guy simply because, like Bret Hart, he was going out there and having five-star matches every single match. Well, now he's getting a much-needed break, which after a year and a yeah. half straight, I think that's well-deserved. I really do. And if the Revival were going out there, and straight up, dude, I would have nothing to say whatsoever. I would my mouth I actually would have a rebuttal. Shut. I have a rebuttal, but I'll let you finish. Shut. Completely shut. Mm-hmm. If the Revival were going out there and having five-star matches every single time. Like the bar. The bar goes out there and crushes every single time. If, if the, and, and, of course, we have no other for better prime example of that than Cesaro busting his own teeth 
and finishing the match. I was always a bar guy. So, Stay on record. I was straight up. Guy. And I, I liked the bar when they first came around. That was a cool idea, but I really did. I thought it was just some bullshit thrown together Vince McMahon thing, and it really was, but it, but it, it, but it worked. Work. It was one of those rare commodities that actually, they turned themselves into a commodity. Very simple. Just like the New Day. All they had to do was just go out there and say, we're not, just, we don't set the bar, we are the bar. And yeah. it's literally the only and thing New they Day, got. New but. Day was the same thing. New Day was a horrible, horribly racist idea yeah. that they ended up flipping and made it for the kids. I mean, I still think it's gross that he pulls pancakes out of his underwear and people eat them. That, that I think is Nope, but once again, prime example, New Day, modern day PG version of DX, where literally all they had to do was just go out there and just talk. They didn't do any... Yeah, their matches were great. Their matches are incredible. Their now matches, they are. The matches are... I, In the I, beginning, I their matches use were... use the word scintillating because they're literally just... Scintillating, wow. They're just that crisp every single time. They're so crisp every single time. But however, the thing that got them over... Was their mic skills? Was all three of them are really good, and especially with the fact that why them actually getting together? The whole reason for them getting together was because Xavier Woods is the best on the mic, and they give him the microphone, and he went to Vince and was like, "Let me get let, let me get us over in four weeks. Or just give me a mic and let me get over in four weeks." And then sure enough, and and Vince just looks at Xavier and says, "Okay, what do you what do we do if you don't if you don't get over in four weeks? It's cool. You can fire me. I shouldn't be here." If I, if I, I'm not doing anything, and if I can't get us over in four weeks, and I can't get a microphone, and I can't go out there and get people entertained in four weeks, then I don't deserve to be here. And straight up, it's an attitude that, that should be held by more. But Xavier Woods is, is, is the reason that those, those three got over, and then the other two kind of followed suit after with the charisma and the fact that both Kofi Kingston and um, Big E, when it was Big E Langston, uh, when he was Big E. Yeah, but thank God he dropped the Langston. Neither one of them had any charisma whatsoever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, Kofi Kingston was great. He was going out there and putting on five. He was putting on stellar matches. He was doing the boom drop and doing all this crazy stuff. But he had no way to elevate himself on a microphone. And then when the New Day got together and Xavier put the three of them together, it opened up their personality. It made them heels and it opened up their personality like crazy so that they could just get on a microphone and just say whatever the... Hell, they want it. Well, whenever you do a heel turn, it, it, you are more freer to be yeah. on the mic. We all know the chain's off. But, sorry, are you finished? Are you done? I, bottom line is, I don't think there's a... I, I could just, literally, I could carry on and I could keep giving more and more and more examples. But the fact that, like, you know what? I'm not even here to, like, change anybody's mind or anything like that. It's just been my firm belief for, for like, a really long time. It's what I've seen. It's what I've heard. It's what I've, from just, like, the just the downright listening to even guys like Steve Austin talk about what it is to be a solid promo guy listening to the rock talk about that and listening to these guys talk about specifically you must have heard the rock talking about it six years ago but he hasn't mentioned a word of the business that made him since he became the richest man on the planet or and and any any of those guys that are top promo guys they will very simply tell you that straight up that is the way to make yourself over in this business is it's one thing to be good at wrestling but it's a totally other animal to be good at being able to go out there and entertain a crowd on a microphone every single week CM Punk, ladies and gentlemen. Well, that was till three years later when he dropped the pipe bomb only because he was going to get released from his contract anyways. Then they re-signed him. But, uh, sorry, are you done? Yes. Okay. So, while I I respect your opinion, I disagree on a couple of points. I'm not going to go back and forth too long, but I 100% disagree on a couple of points. I don't think Becky, sure. uh, Becky Lynch is bow-legged at all. I think she's had great five-star matches, and I only think since they gave her the heel turn... Was she able to elevate her mic skills? Yes, sometimes, in very rare occasions, do you get the full package. Uh, that her, yeah, okay, she bonks stuff all the time. Most people do. There's a lot of things that Seth Rollins has bonked, and he's one of, hands down, the best in WWE, but he's made some horrible maneuvers. They've been on Bacho Mania all kinds. But the fact is, I, I definitely don't agree with the bow-legged statement. I think we're, we're blinders on Tamina Snuka, because you look at Charlotte Flair, she looks more chicken leg than Becky Lynch. And Charlotte Flair is a god on the mic, much like Daddy. But in the ring, Charlie Flair could back it up. I think, just my, my final thought on this whole situation, is that we're going to differ, and that's great, because not if everyone thought the same, the world would be boring. Yeah, exactly. But but the thing is, is as much as the promo leads up to the match, you got to have that follow-through. And if you don't have a follow-through, everything that you took so hard to climb up the mountain and cut it, yeah, it goes right down the shitter. And I could give uh, uh, tons of examples to just counter the examples that you gave, uh, one would be Roman Reigns, Samoa Joe. Uh, the promos were decent. The match was a dud. Uh, AJ Styles, Chris Jericho. Promos were decent. Right up to leading WrestleMania, uh, AJ Styles' first WrestleMania. Match, was, it was like, it just went straight up. 
it just kept going. Like, the promos were good, but again, that's because who AJ Styles was talking back and forth with. Yeah. I mean, Jericho is literally, hands down, he's the GOAT for a reason. You can't just bait that. And then you went into the match, and it was like, oh my god, that was the show's dealer match of the night. A lot of people forget that match, but go back and watch that match, but also watch the promos leading up to it. Because AJ's promo skills when he was working with Jericho were elevated to another oh, yeah, level. That was right after the Rumble too. I think that was literally <laughs> that was right like, after Y two AJ when they got together as a team for literally a brief period. They they did the same thing similar to the Mega Powers. Yeah. They put them together only to tear them apart. That's right because they had the match on Raw. It was like the night after AJ made his debut, and then they got together, had a great match, and then it was like we should get together as a team. And then they and then they up, ended, and they ended up losing the title shot, and Jericho turned heel. Yeah. But the promos leading up to it were stellar. But the match. Delivered on epic proportions. Yeah. John Cena, Roman Reigns. Promo was stellar. Match was to a whole nother level. And I will say that. I'm not a big Roman fan. But, yeah. like you said, when you have a match made in heaven, that was a match made in heaven. Yeah. Because John Cena, as much as he's restricted, he plays it safe. Roman plays it safe. But the promos were elevated. The mic skills, I'll give you that. The mic skills were elevated. But the match had the follow through. Yeah. All I'm saying is that you look at all the great rivalries over time. You look at all the great back and forth over time. A lot of people, defining moments are not really a promo. Defining moments are the end, the final chapter. You want to get to the point where these two dudes hate each other and you want to see them go back and forth. Absolutely. I'm a wrestling fan. I love that mark as much as anybody. But I got to have the follow through. If I don't have the follow through, everything over here will be forgotten. Everything yeah. beforehand, everything on the road leading up to the, the culmination will be forgotten if the culmination is horrible. Yeah. So whether you want to say, yes, mic skills, do they outweigh wrestling? As, as much as it pains me to say it, you've changed my mind a little bit. I used to think 50-50. I actually used to think 40-60. But now I'll flip it. And I'll say 60-40. But I'll be damned if somebody comes to me and says, Nope, my skills are 90%. I'll look whoever says that straight in the face and says, You're a fucking idiot. Because you've got to have the culmination. All this promo work to lead to a shit match would be a waste of everybody's time. And that's why it's you get the so 60 wrestling, is the fact that this is the big... This, this is the work. This is weeks of work. Absolutely. Some, sometimes if you it's don't four have, days worth of work, depending well, on nowadays, the, nowadays. the creative. It's like, but, wait, we have three days now. Give them a microphone and hope for the best. But if you don't have the culmination of a match where you can remember, not even the whole match, but a yeah. moment. Exactly. A defining moment, which is exclusively available on our YouTube page. Yes. If you you remember a defining moment, even a single flip, when Charlotte Flair, when they did the triple threat match in the first WrestleMania, when it was her, Becky, and Sasha, and Charlotte Flair did that moonsault off the, the top turnbuckle to the outside. Yeah. That's a moment. When Shawn Michaels grabbed that belt, the boyhood dream has come. That's a moment. Yeah, man. When Triple H pulls out the sledgehammer, for me, that's a moment. That's a moment all the time. Yeah. But all I'm saying is the moments within the story. Yes, the promo skills lead up to the story. Then once you get in the ring, the old cliche is the time for talking is over. You're absolutely right, dude. We've talked. Now we've got to walk. And if you don't walk, all the talking you did means absolutely nothing. You're absolutely right, dude. So you're you're right in a lot of aspects where you say the revival, their mic skills need work. But if you go back, much like you said to me, I should go back and double check Becky Lynch's bow leg, which I still disagree because I think... She talks and she walks. I really do. Since she became a heel, and honestly, I think ruined, she talks. When I saw it for the first time, I swear to God, it ruined Becky Lynch forever for me. And it sucked because I used to love Becky Lynch too. In but, respect like that, I mean. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But in in, in in the aspect of it is this. You go back and you watch the revival because this whole match is about the revival. We kind of got off car. But if you go back and you watch the promos they cut in NXT and you watch how they were used properly because they have minimal words but they hit their points because of who was creatively behind them. Yeah. And then you come up to the main roster and the guy who's up there just doesn't have the time to focus on a division, which sucks because the tag team division is lit. There's a lot of talent there. They're just not being shown. And it sucks. It really does suck. But all I'm saying is if you go back and you watch the NXT stuff and you see the developmental that Triple H was doing there and how the promos that they had were very quick. They were literally 45 seconds, sometimes a minute. Yeah. And they were gone. Their promos were solid because they were using the minimal beats. Here's a story. Get to it. Main roster. Shut up, here's your script, read it word for word. Sometimes when it's not your own words and you can't put your own spin on it, it sucks. When I was in film and I would write a script, I would always tell any of my actors that I worked with, here's the script. Yeah. Get to it how it makes you feel comfortable because when the real you is coming out, you sell it that much more. So exactly. it sucks, it sucks that because they're so restricted and so scripted in the main roster, they lose themselves. And it's disappointing because you know what? The revival, in my opinion, 
When they were down in NXT, they could talk the talk. They could walk the walk. It's just unfortunate that Vince McMahon got his sprinkle in a division that he literally cares nothing about. And he's showing that. He's more focused now on building up the ladies, which is well-deserved. Because for years, they were in the trenches and they were not given a fair shake. Yeah. Now they're now this year, we're going to have probably the main event's going to be a women's match. And I could be more stellar because i got two daughters and I Seriously. love seeing it. Seriously. But you know what? Give the tag team division some love. We had hashtag give divas a chance. Hashtag give the tag team division a chance. Because those guys, what they're doing, they don't get enough credit. And it's unfortunate. That's kind of my whole spiel on this episode is that even though I'm only focused on the revival, I want to say that a lot of people need to give the tag team division some love because those guys work just as hard as the main roster guys. And I, yeah, I understand a lot of people when they see a tag team, they think this one guy's going to carry it over much like the Rockers. You want to see him break up for the one guy to go solo. Me, I love a good solid tag team. And I honestly believe if you go back and you give the revival, NXT version of the revival, a fair watch, they could talk the talk and they definitely walk the walk. And, and it's just up, it's I, just unfortunate. And straight up, I don't want to see any more of uh, Marty Jannetty's, if you will. Uh, like, you know, what do I mean by Marty Jannetty? The guy that goes off and doesn't do anything while the Shawn Michaels goes off and, and wins everything. And so as far as I'm concerned, I would really love to, to see that. That That's why I, I actually really, really genuinely... And a lot of times, it's usually a thrown-together really bad idea, like... I, I kind of like uh, like Glorious Gable. It's cool because they're both really good in the ring, and they're both like Bobby Roode. He's just not got very much personality when it comes to you know being on a mic or anything like that. He's great for you know bending down and doing his little swivel thing with his hands and looking up and having people yell Glorious and everything like that. But um, not very good on a microphone. And Gable is just the absolute. Actually, I, th- I think it's the reverse effect. Is Gable's always been terrible when it comes to his personality, but. But uh, with, with Mr. Glorious, he's actually got a little bit more personality to shine through. Whereas uh, with Sheamus and, and Cesaro, one's really bad on the mic, the other one's not so bad. So it's like, you know what, let's, give, let's clash the personalities and put them together. I Usually, I think that's a bad idea. But with a situation like the bar, they really elevated the tag team division. With Glorious Gable, given more of a, a, a definitive direction than having, them, having Chad Gable completely just copy... Uh, Mr. Glorious, uh, I think it would be that that would elevate them in that. I would have never broken up way. American Alpha because Jason Jordan American and Gable were great in the ring, amazing. But their mic skills were horrible. And yes, I get it. But sometimes, sometimes you can have that successful peak where the mic skills are can suck, but the culmination sometimes will save you. Oh, exactly. It will save you, and that's where I think our points differ. I think and that the culmination sometimes outweighs. Everything leading up to it. Yeah, and I just wanted to make one last point because we're we got to wrap up here. But uh, I I I really I got to go back to when you were talking about uh, moments because you're absolutely right. Is that that's that's what is missing from the revival. I think honestly, from the revival, from anybody who is like the revival, from anybody who is stagnant, who is struggling, who does people can't understand why they're not getting pushed, why they're not getting these things about people needing to get pushed all the time instead of why don't you take a step back and realize the concept that they've never made you a moment they've never once they've never yes okay there was one well, moment they had they have made was, me they have made me a moment because you've mentioned it because you you brought that up and i remember it because i remember those matches and i remember what happened with them i remember them with aop i remember those moments i remember those kinds of the things but however through the ladder great i've never seen one since i've never heard one since i've never had a whiff of any of that and al snow i keep going back to it because it's one of the greatest um pieces of information that i ever picked up about what it is to actually have some sort of stock within a company vince mcmahon gives you commercial time every week people always say oh vince vince screws them he buries them he puts them he doesn't want anything to do with them that's great Except for the fact that Vinnie Mac constantly, whether it's on main event or whether it's on Raw or whether it's on whatever, gives you commercial time. You are a product, whether people want to admit it or not, people who are the products of the industry, they're a product. So therefore, whenever that commercial time comes up, it's up to them of whether or not they want to make that moment memorable or whether or not they want to make it just some other crap-ass segment that just kind of came and went and you don't remember any of it because you remember Becky Lynch. Unless you're the Rock's cousin. 
Yeah, um, you got a you got a you got a ton of commercial time. You got a ton of if commercial time. If you're Roman time. Reigns and you're Nia Jax, you're getting forced down everybody's throat because you're related to the Rock. And I gotta tell you, what I I I I don't like Nia Jax, but I love what they're doing with her punching Becky Lynch in the face because it's making her so much heat and it's making people so mad at her every single week. I marked out to it a couple of weeks ago and was like. Pfft. This is what they want. They Best want thing that happened to get Nia Jax in 2019 was getting RKO'd by Randy Orton. I stand by that. Stuff. Yeah, and that's why it was so great. Why? Why was? So, and I know for a fact there was no reason to put Nia Jax in the man, in the men's Royal well, Rumble. Well, she, she is in a moment of history, dude. She's one of three women to do it now. But that's however, a big fucking deal. what was the biggest? What was the moment though that you remember the most? From oh, Randy Orton hit her face in the ground, KO'd, yes, and it made yes. everybody. Pop because of the fact that you they were so mad at her much for like punching China, Becky much like when China like eliminated much like when China eliminated sexual chocolate and then yeah. she got eliminated by Stone Cold and all you remember is Stone Cold giving her the fingers exactly and that'll be a moment that everybody will naturally just remember people are going to go back and watch the women the men's Royal Rumble specifically to watch Nia Jax getting RKO'd over and over again because it's and just six so one funny. nine. And, and, and I believe somebody gave her a knee to the face. Yeah. I want to say Seth Rollins, but I'm not sure. I, I think it might have been Mustafa Ali right before she uh, she threw him over. Possibly, but it meant that. But that you only just, remember the RKO and the six one nine. You really don't remember anything else. It's just moments that, like, that's what people want. They want moments. And Kurt Angle actually said it in his speech. He's the king of moments. He's the king of the guy that literally went from I'm just the Olympic athlete. To now, I got tons of personality. I'm getting my head shaved, and I'm singing. I, I'm, I'm a sexy Kurt in the middle of the ring. Like, just like these these really funny moments in these the these, milk truck. These constant moments that would come up, where if the, the, if any of those if any of those kinds of, of conglomerates that you would call them or tag teams or or anybody solo or whatever would actually put their mind into thinking about that kind of stuff, then we'd have a little bit more moment. And we'd have a little bit more. Um, I, I feel like it would that would be the thing that would totally change the hashtag to the forever the revival, which is what everybody really that's what they that's what they want. But I don't see anything forever about you if you haven't even given me given me one moment to to remember from you at all when you've had a ton. I don't care what people say; they've had a ton of commercial time and unfortunately have kind of blown all of it. Yeah, I think when they got up to the main roster, I think um, being that small fish in that big pond it might have set them back. So this is the debate that can go on forever, but we do have to wrap it up. We're out of time. But yeah. I think we can agree, to great degree, there was really no relevance here. Nobody changed each other's minds. But we did give each other moments. Right. We gave each other moments of where we realized that I'm still a firm believer that the culmination counts over everything leading up to it. Because if you don't have the culmination, everything leading up to it was a waste of time. Hey, you, man, on the yeah. other hand, believe that everything leading up to it is all that counts. And it might happen, it might even start happen next week. I've eaten my words so many times before where, like, you know, the week after, like, I'll say something like this, and then, like, the week after, they'll come out and be like, the, and they'll, the, the, you know, like, rip AOP a new asshole or something like that. And, like, holy crap, where did that come from? And, like, the, this random thing of, like, all of a sudden, you can just obviously tell that, like, okay, they're, they're trying to make a moment out of these guys, trying to give people something memorable to remember, and now they're trying to elevate them and actually move them up, and, and, or whatever, whatever the case is that you can very whatever easily may, whatever tell. Whatever may happen the with the revival. Happening. Whatever may happen with the revival is I think that they, they got to be respected because they're doing things that we're not doing. We're bottom talking line, about it, they're living it. Bottom line, good luck on your journey, revival. <laughs> whatever your, whatever happens. Good Wherever it may lead you. <laughs> All right, guys, that's it for this one. We are in the can. Next week, we are going to probably drop another interview. Could be a surprise. Maybe we drop Marty Scroll because we've been teasing it for so long. We just have so much great content coming out that we can't. But we took the time out. And we haven't done it in a bit where we dissected something. And this was something that both Steve and I are very passionate about because we have gotten into so many heated conversations about these two guys that I just feel that this is a story that we needed to tell. And now we told it. Now we can move on. Again, the title of the episode is hashtag, I'm not going to say the word, F word, the revival. I said whereas it at the beginning, me, if you didn't catch it, then figure it out. Whereas me, I would like to simply call this episode hashtag forever the revival. <laughs> I'm going to steal your line. Alright guys, that's it for this one. Don't forget to check out all our episodes, past and old, on all our platforms, which will get out shoutouts at the end of the show. Also, don't forget to check out our YouTube page. Steve has done some great work with filming all the videos and all the content. We have our defining moments, and surprisingly enough... Neither one of them are promos. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, that's it for me. I am your host, George Mackay. Steve the Animal Mitchell. Take it easy, guys. We'll see you next week. Peace. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Catch us every Wednesday at 7.30 on Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, and Google Play Music. 
Also, be sure to follow us on our social media platforms, Facebook and Instagram at Straight Talk Wrestling and Twitter at underscore Straight Talk. medieval times a world of excitement adventure and wonder feast upon a delectable four course meal and behold authentic jousting and swordsmanship it's the perfect place for celebration and revelry new power new show kids and students just 34.95 visit medievaltimes.com